0: Welcome to Creatives Grab Coffee, hosted by Kirill Lazaroff and Dario Nuri, a platform where creatives and business professionals discuss industry topics, ideas, and share experiences. Today, we welcome our guest, Andrew Osborne. He is the founder of Mini Fridge Media, one of Toronto's top video production companies, and he's a freelance director whose work has played on national TV, in Cineplex theaters, and at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. We hope you enjoy our discussion, so let us start
1: well today we have another guest on our show we have andrew from MiniFridge media uh andrew is a video producer just like ourselves and he actually got his start five years ago just like we did so let's just um hand it off to andrew
0: that's great welcome to the show thank you good to be here over zoom
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's definitely uh, changing nowadays right everything's just over zoom yeah,
0: like a lot of the a lot of meetings and calls, like what used to be done in person, now has obviously switched over to this platform. So we've kind of mimicked this platform a little bit with uh, the format of the show as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, all the all the interviews are being done over Zoom, even for filmmakers. Like, I just watched the new Charlie Kaufman movie last night, and, and then watched a bunch of his interviews today, and they were all over Zoom uh, as well. It's probably easier for him to just go into the just do it from his house instead of going into a million different studios.
1: Yeah. The the only thing I found that's a little tricky is that with connection issues sometimes you talk over each other. Oh yeah. I almost want to just say, okay, let's do video, but then I'll call you on the phone. That way
0: we'll have like a clear line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just have a different means of uh recording, but yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how and your background and how you kind of uh jumped
2: into the industry. Sure. Well uh lifelong filmmaker. And film fan, film fanatic, um, and always wanted to be a writer, director, and editor. I'm good at editing as well. Uh, And I, you know, studied film at Queen's University in Kingston. I made a ton of short films and skits while I was there. My first job in in the industry was as an assistant editor at a place called Saints Editorial where I uh, was sort of behind the scenes preparing the footage on a bunch of huge TV commercials and and rubbed shoulders with a bunch of ad agency people and learned how the advertising business worked. And then I got let go from that job at the end of 2015. And I mean, I can tell you the whole story, but I started my own company about a month and a half after that because I met somebody who had their own company and they needed a video. And they, I didn't even think it was a possible thing to do, but they sort of convinced me that I should do uh, funny videos for tech companies, funny explainer videos. That's actually how it started, and the model was a Sandwich Video in San Francisco, which he was a big fan of. He turned me on to them, and he said you could do this, you could be this guy for people in Toronto because I, he th- he thought I was funny. I do, I was doing a skit channel at the time. That's how I met him, and. Then it just sort of evolved into, you know, it's mini fridge media and it's not just funny tech explainer videos. It's any kind of video that any business needs. It could be a corporate interview video, but more likely or more, what's more fun for me is to do funny commercials, promotional videos, that sort of thing. But I've done so many different types of videos, everything from logo reveals to more recently Zoom. Uh, we just did a Zoom skit where it was four people talking to each other over Zoom that, that's a whole other discussion about how COVID's changed everything. But yeah, any kind of video people need, we can do it. Mini Fridge Media.
1: It's interesting you mentioned you had, you you were a lot, a lifelong uh, film lover and you wanted to get into uh, filmmaking, right? But now you're doing uh, corporate filmmaking in a way. Uh, like how how do you, we, we kind of had the same thing as well, right? We got into it to do well to try to get into the film industry right yeah. like that's how, that was our original goal but then as time went on we found that we feel a bit more grounded and more comfortable in the yeah. corporate filmmaking world but we do kind of want to
0: dive into that at some point right? it happens to a lot of people who start in this in this industry yeah. I, I i'm sure you've noticed this as well anyone who decides to pick up a camera no one's ever really starting off uh thinking yeah, you know, with this camera, I'm going to make corporate uh, promotional videos and advertisements. That's never the first thing that people typically lean towards. You know, they want to be either a director, cinematographer, filmmaker, but they definitely kind of uh, tend to transition in that direction because, like, many of us realize that's where the money
2: is, at least in the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah, and listen, I'm still a young man. I got my whole life ahead of me. I'm, st- I'm going to be doing actual movies and i do look at this as a a stepping stone or or whatever it is a job an experience for my 20s early 20 mid 20s now into my late 20s uh spending that time that a lot of other people spend working at some company i don't know working their way up whatever they're doing uh i've got my own thing and uh i've spent the time writing directing, editing, producing commercials and videos and learning about that, but also spent a lot of time, you know, there's a lot of rejection and and waiting and being a self-starter and uh, making things happen for yourself that I think is going to come in handy later on uh, when I do try to pursue the actual hollywood filmmaking thing so i haven't resigned myself to this as like this is my career now because i I do think i I have more to offer than in just this space but it's a great thing it's the freedom of being your own boss and, and and um making your own decisions and and controlling your destiny is is a great beautiful thing and i've gotten a ton of practice which i think i'll apply to uh to my filmmaking career, but this is my filmmaking career too. I'm not going to say like when it starts or anything like that. It has started, but uh, yeah. To answer to, to to your point, it is about money and uh, making money is the greatest reason to be in advertising as a filmmaker. I think
0: it helps you get your start and just kind of build that support that you need because everybody needs a little uh, needs that financial backing. You know, uh, going into filmmaking, typically people realize okay, I'm going to go for broke if I go in this industry. Well, there's two
1: ways of going about it. You either work up the ladder and then hopefully in 20 years you end up, uh, maybe you finally get that directing job you've always wanted, right? But it seems like it's, from what I've seen and who we've talked to, they they seem to be two very separate worlds, right? And it seems like the only way you can really uh, transition into it from maybe like our industry would be to, again, create some type of short or feature and then submit it to these independent film festivals that seems to be like one of the only ways to get in because the other route is again uh working up that ladder and who knows how long that'll take that might take
2: maybe 20 years i don't believe in that i don't i don't believe in working up the ladder like you're going to start as a pa and then eventually you'll be directing a movie at some point if you just wait long enough i mean that that never works that's never worked uh because the once you learn about what's on a film set it's PA, you move up to production manager or something like that. More likely, you'll end up as a producer. Um, Director, you could have some 22-year-old be the director, and everyone else working on it is 45, and they've been waiting their whole lives to be the director. And it's just like, why does this kid get to do it? And the answer is that he just... Well, I don't know why that kid got that job, but in general, to be a director, you really just have to do it. And show somebody that you did this thing and then hopefully they'll give you the opportunity to do that. But it's, uh, it's, it's like being a writer or something. It's like you're, you got to be good at it and you just have to do it and nobody's going to let you do it or, or give you a chance. And I'm going to speak in cliches, but I think that's true. So I, so I, when I was faced with the, okay, okay, got let go from my job as an assistant editor, that path would have taken me to be an editor of commercials. That's the path that I was on. Could I could have jumped back on that path uh, and got another job somewhere. But I just thought this would be a, a faster way to get to what I want by immediately starting and building up my uh, directing reel and showing people what I could do. I felt like I had so much more to offer than I was offering people at that job as an assistant editor. I really felt like I was really meant for the big leagues right away. And it was a blessing to get let Go and, and have that opportunity to start directing right away.
1: I, I wonder if it also has to do with the fact that uh, like us three, we, we do have an entrepreneur uh, type of mindset and like we need to be our own bosses and trying to work up the ladder. It it, it didn't work at an agency. It's certainly no. not not going to work through a union, right? So it's it, maybe it's something within us that we just can't do it. But you did mention something else which was interesting was that you you thought you're ready for the big leagues right away and that you, you just wanted to build that portfolio. That's one of the reasons why Kirill and I partnered up. We wanted to be able to achieve our goals that much faster by kind of Uh, uh, boosting each other to that spot and we we kind of are we're in the process
0: of doing that too right yeah and like you being by yourself how have you grown your business to what it is today you know like like Dario and I know how it is you know because we have a leg to stand on at times you know if uh, one of us is struggling with one thing the other one is able to help out and vice versa whereas with you it's it's all you basically Mm -hmm. right how do you how do you push yourself day by day month by month year by year it's so lonely.
2: Uh, it's terrible. No, it it is. I well, I didn't. Well, I didn't know anybody who I could have been a partner with at the time where I was like, you and me should go into business together. I don't even know if it would have worked because it took me a while to get to the point where I could make a living doing it, and that's me keeping all the money, not splitting it fifty-fifty with somebody else. I didn't have to navigate that because it it would have taken me. Well, it's an interesting point. You said you said it would, you can go twice as fast because I was thinking it would have taken me twice as long to get to the point where two people have good salaries off this rather than one person. And it, running it is, is, is difficult and it's not the thing that I enjoy as much. Uh, I was a salesman before I was the assistant editor that my first job, but that was only a summer job. Uh, I was a sale. I was a door to door, and also phone. I made phone calls. I was a salesman for this construction software company, and I was a telefundraiser all through uh, university. For the, I was the best telefundraiser at the university. I raised the most amount of money, at least in my last year there. So I had these sales skills, and I'm pretty good at talking to people, I guess. But I, I had to learn a lot of that stuff too. And same with the branding. I think the branding and, and the the name and the tagline and how the website looks. Uh, which I actually designed the website. I think just having really great taste in is what helped me because I, I was able to reject a lot of things and say that that's not going to work. That name sucks. That tagline sucks. This website de- design sucks. So I was able to narrow it down and say, okay, I like these fonts. I like the way this looks. This is good. And And I was able to use the sales experience of cold calling to create a huge list of companies in Toronto that I thought might need a video and cold call them and just ask them if they need a video. And that's what led to the first, uh, six, seven, eight, twenty videos, whatever. And then those, that, that kept it moving, uh, with word of mouth and whatnot. So it is, but it is really lonely and hard. I live with my girlfriend. That helps. I have a lot of friends. I think having friends helps because I at least can talk to people and, and, you know, not feel so lonely, but yeah, it sucks. And, and, uh, I, sometimes I wish I partnered up with somebody like you guys did, because at least you guys know you're in it t- together and, um, and you have each other's backs and it's a beautiful thing. I kind of wish I did that.
0: It's honestly a matter of opportunity. You know, it just kind of worked it and worked out the way it was yeah. the way it did. And, uh, you know, we've just kind of made it happen since then. But I, we've actually been told that, uh, at the beginning, when we first
1: started, we had a lot of people tell us, oh, you know what? Business partnerships don't work. Yeah, especially if you guys are friends, don't do it. And, you know, oh, from yeah. what we've seen, it, it doesn't work for the most part. Luckily, we've been able to make it work. Um, it has its ups and downs, don't get, don't get us yeah, wrong. Like, after you know? five, I don't want to see his face ever again, especially <laughs> since Monday Yeah, to do Friday you guys hang and- out after work? Uh, not as often as we used to. We used to do it a lot more. It's COVID right now. (laughs) There's there's only so much hanging out you can do right now. Do you think it's, do you think our friendship has changed a little bit ever since we became partners?
0: I definitely has. Uh, you know, I think we kind of, uh, like, I feel like with anyone, if you're friends and then you're trying to work in a business, uh, you spend time together, you know, to hang out, you know, uh, and enjoy each other's company. But, you know, when we're working, it's kind of like those those things kind of overlap a little bit and it's almost as if, okay, I've hung out with my friend, hung out, <laughs> but but worked with him all day. You know, it's time I to don't go want to and see spend time him again. with the girlfriend as well. You know, you got to balance out well, some how of the yeah.
2: how, how do you guys divvy things up? Like who who's good at what? We, how do you know who on, does what?
1: At this point, we're really at this... Well, I mean, at this stage, we're really splitting everything 50-50. So Carol yeah. and I will both take on producing responsibilities uh directing responsibilities although you know what when we're shooting together um if carol's gonna be the dp that allows me time to produce and direct a bit more because again when you're being uh the cinematographer it's hard to focus on also directing it and producing it right yeah so while he focuses on that that's when i'll take care of a lot of the producing and the directing and i
0: feel like those roles kind of work really well a lot of the time when we're when we're shooting on that aspect but at the same time like we both produce a lot of the projects so uh Dario's handling uh, several accounts uh, with different clients and he's uh, taking care of that aspect, whereas I'm taking care of a few other clients as well. It's kind of like having double the manpower and being able to take on more projects as a result. Because like you do, you, you reach out to cinematographers, audio operators, crew, you know, to help uh, realize your vision. Uh, in our case, we basically have double the manpower to do that because we both go out and uh, take care of those accounts uh, separately at times. But also, if there is the opportunity where we can work together, we do that as well. Yeah. And, and
1: recently, as of this year, especially this time period now, we are taking more of a managerial role. So Kirill and I are just, we're, we're, we're transitioning to just strictly produce and direct the projects. Yeah. Uh, and then just outsourcing a lot of the cinematography Um, extra shooters, uh, audio ops, you name it. We'll just, we're just outsourcing that stuff, especially on the editing end. We're really outsourcing that because we're really focusing on just growing the business this year. Like Carol and I are focusing Mm -hmm. a lot on strategy right now and we just, we don't have time to sit down and edit for a week, you know?
2: Yeah, that's fair. I thought maybe you'd reel things in during COVID because I found that I have to, things I would have outsourced, edit, like I would have outsourced this editing job. Now I'm doing it because I can't afford to outsource it anymore because we're, we're not as busy. So I, I don't have to delegate as many tasks. Of course.
0: In that case, yeah, like definitely during COVID, a lot of the, if, if there is, if there is the time for us to do it, whether it's COVID or not, if there's the time for Dario and I to do it, we will do it. Uh, but uh, so but now, far, now it's
1: different because it's we, a little different now. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're we're in the midst of doing some some heavy sales in this coming month and, and, and as well as into October. And it's just, it, we're focused, like I, I find our, us working earlier and earlier every day. Like right we used to start at 10 and we'd be done by five. Now we're starting as early as nine and- 8 a.m. I find my, 8 a.m. and I find myself like sure I'll take a break at 5 but I find myself going back to work at
0: 7 to like 9 At least, you know, you get burnt out if you try to do it all and I'm sure you might have experienced the same thing Did you ever experience something like that like burning out early on?
2: Um, Yeah, well I'm with you guys on the later start because that's one of the great things about being your own boss because I'm I really am a night person and I get a lot of things done at night and Society judges people who get up late uh you know who start their day at 10 or 11 but if you're working until 2 in the morning it's like the same if not you're not you're getting more work done you're just doing it when everyone else is relaxing or sleeping so uh but i i find uh, obviously i'm busiest when i have a lot of projects going on if i've got four or five three or four whatever it is shoots in a month and i'm managing all those different projects um and i'm also in the midst of editing some that's when I'm working all the time. And then summers are a little slower. And obviously COVID has been slower. So I haven't had to deal with burnout. I've actually been more like hungry for things to do. And I've been wor- working on not an exit strategy, but sort of like working on my screenwriting a lot more because I think that, like you guys said, the to ticket to getting out of advertising and into filmmaking where people actually want to watch it is writing a Hopefully, writing a great script or making a great short film. So I've been working on that stuff more. So I'm always busy, but it's just a matter of if it's personal and business or just all business.
0: There's always work. You know, the the the, the crazy thing that I've learned about this industry is no matter what, you never don't have work. Even even just during just a matter COVID. of it's just a matter of finding the work. Well, there's the finding of the work, <laughs> but it's also as you said, there's so many opportunities for passion projects and and things you want to do on the side that even if say. Uh, there's some small things that, uh, or like there's some corporate uh, projects or client work that you, you don't have a lot of at the moment. There is business development that you need to still be doing constantly. And at the same time, uh, you also want to fill up that time with, as you mentioned, passion projects. Those, that's the time to get your portfolio work done. And, you know, hopefully even learn some new skills at times. There's always something to do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When you have your own business, there's always something to do for sure. And I did a speech at a, entrepreneurs conference thing where i just said that it's just a never ending or starting your own business is just a never ending pile of work that just every time you finish one thing you know the the stack just keeps getting higher but if you break it down into just getting one thing done at a time it's it seems more manageable but i agree with you branding and and uh reaching out to people biz dev stuff always can be working on that making it better work i've i've created so many decks in this past months that nobody's even seen yet but i'm just i just have them in case for when they come up i'm gonna have them ready we're doing
1: the same thing and we're i feel like now boat. that we're not exactly out of covid but you know uh the, the sky's a little bluer um a little we, bit we're i noticed i noticed this change with us we're really hungry now we're putting a lot more work and effort into trying to grow the company compared to before even yeah. even the past couple of years it seems like the, these last two months it's been like we're hungry i can like sense it And i'm
0: noticing a lot of changes too so yeah it's been really good for us we noticed that COVID forced us to stop and reflect on the business and kind of uh almost tear it down and build it back up again you know and uh, as you mentioned work piles up constantly and, and sometimes you don't even get to do some business development because of all the client work that is coming your way at the time or all the shoots that you're doing i mean who would have weeks on end to think about business and strategy in the future Mm -hmm. when you have XYZ number of clients who are calling you daily asking you, okay, can you get this project done by this day? Then this day, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to get done. Um, do you, do you feel like, do you feel like since COVID, uh, you've been able to have the time to kind of think a little bit more about what
2: you want to do, uh, in the future? Yeah. Yeah. And it is partly, um, Thinking about what I want the business to be, because I think I'll still be doing it for a while still. And and one of those things was I wanted to um, partner with more ad agencies because I realized that all the pretty much all the clients that I had during COVID were ad agencies feeding me work from from their clients rather than because ad agencies have a whole plan and a schedule for what they want to do with your marketing dollars. And just because of just because COVID happened doesn't mean that all stops necessarily. Whereas If you're doing it direct for client, they might just have, you know, their plan is just to completely pull the plug on things, which is what happened to me uh, for a lot of my projects. But yeah, reflecting on that, reflecting on um, trying to get more serious about figuring out how to transition into actual an actual filmmaking Hollywood career and doing more screenwriting than I've ever done and, and doing more. Uh, even just like ideation, coming up with movie pitches, movie concepts, movie treatments. I wrote like 10, 15 treatments of movies that I, I'm not. I don't know if I'm gonna write the script for, but I just wrote the story of the movie out and all the characters. You know what treatment is? And it's just to see, just and and pitching my friends all the time. Every time I see my friends, I say, "Oh, I got a movie idea. What do you think of this? Get their reaction, hone it." So getting a lot more serious about that because. Because I don't, you know, I want to, I want to do that ultimately with my life. And I think when you're making money and 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 having success in advertising, you kind of forget about your other dreams, what you what you so called really want to be doing. And it's easy to just forget because you're so busy with what you're actually doing. And so everything being everything stopping really gave me the time to sort of snap out of it and say, okay, what do I, you know, what do I really want to do here and and work on it.
1: Yeah, you, you It's funny you keep coming back to transitioning into the film industry because when when Carol and I first started this again, like our, we we were thinking of getting into it. We're we're gonna we we said to ourselves we're gonna use this as a jumping board to get into the film industry, and I think. We completely forgot about that. I think I only remembered that in the first episode or second episode, where Kirill yeah. uh, made a comment about how that was our initial plan, and I was like, "Oh, I, I completely forgot about that. that was like exactly what we we're gonna do, and that's somehow just got lost along the way. But it's it's good to see that like that's still. At the forefront uh of your goals right because we've been
0: in we've been in business roughly the same amount of time we started in 2015 well 2015 is where we really pushed it yeah Uh, and uh so we've pretty much been in the same uh, in the industry for the same amount of time and uh yeah as you mentioned you know like we've kind of forgotten uh, that that's what we were originally wanting to do but i think we also evolved in terms of some of the passions like i originally wanted to go into the industry to be a cinematographer and while i I'm still very passionate about cinematography, I feel like there's other opportunities that I want to explore more, like for example, documentary filmmaking and, and directing feature documentaries. That's something I really want to explore. So I feel like people's goals evolve all the time, especially with ex- when experience comes into play. And if you went into filmmaking back then versus uh, you kind of trying to figure out how to get into it now, you're probably going to be bringing something completely new to the table that you didn't even think you had before, right? In terms of experience, you know, like what are some of the skills you've learned creating content for clients too, right?
2: Yeah. And I, I don't even know what that would have looked like. You know, I, I, I did apply to a ton of jobs when I first got out of school and, and a lot of them were at film, film production companies in Toronto. Uh, I wasn't about to move to LA and do that because I wasn't, I had to stay with my parents after school and live with them for a few years while I, you know, I couldn't afford to do that. Also, there's all this stuff about the uh, visas and whatever that I'm sure I'm going to have to deal with at some point. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I ha- yeah, I applied to some production companies. One of them was doing this uh, HBO show called Sensitive Skin at the time, and I actually watched the entire series. It was with uh, Kim Cattrall, f- set in Toronto. It was actually pretty good, but I watched the whole series before the interview just so I if it came up, I'd know everything about it and it never came up. And so, and I ended up getting the job at the advertising place rather than the film place. But I I do think that I did jump into filmmaking more than if I had kept a job anywhere. I think what, what I'm experiencing now is much more similar to the director writer's life than having a job at a office would, even if the office makes, Films or TV shows, um, because it's a it's a life of uh, creating you know creating your own opportunities, facing a lot of rejection, all the responsibilities on you, creating the ideas and bringing them to life, and uh, and I've never forgotten about it's I can't forget about the filmmaking dream. It's like it's it's literally my entire life. I mean, if it doesn't end up happening, um, you know, my life is over because that's I've put so much. Emotional stakes into it. It actually scares me to think that if, if it doesn't happen, what would happen? So, but I, I try not to think about that and just work towards uh, making it happen. And I think all the experiences I've had are gonna are gonna help, definitely.
0: Uh, when I was uh, mentioning about uh, evolving the your goals, it's kind of like you're obviously gonna still go into filmmaking, but in term, what I'm talking about is also uh, how you might want to do different types of filmmaking versus other ones, right? Like I thought I wanted to do feature film cinematography. I, mine kind of evolved into more documentary directing, you know, and, and potentially even sports documentaries. So like, I feel like things change over the years, but you know, it it varies for everyone.
2: Well, I can see how you go from a corporate video job to a documentary job, because they are like little mini documentaries a lot of the time. You show up, you film interviews, you film B-roll, and then you cut it together the way you want to cut it together, rather than like according to a direct script. So I I can see how that, your experience would lead you to want to get more into documentaries. And maybe you have been watching more documentaries. I think it's a lot about what you are into, what you watch. Maybe you maybe you got really into documentaries and you've been inspired. I don't know. It's interesting
1: that you bring up, again, this need to create uh, art, you know, through, through your, your, your scripts and potentially through your features and whatnot. Um, because we had a, a guest on previously, we had Yang from SDE, and this is something he brought up as well. Yang owns one of, like, the 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 biggest wedding uh uh, wedding video companies in in the city right and he also mentioned this kind of metaphysical question of you know at the end of the day like what are you really creating and that's something that he was struggling with with his work right and it seems like it's something that probably all of us struggle with because at the end of the day ads they could be cool they could make you feel emotional but you don't remember an ad from six months ago, let alone one from 10 years ago, right? You might remember a radio jingle, but that's about it, right? Yeah. And it seems that because of that, we're trying to... It's almost like a lot of filmmakers nowadays that are in the ad world, they're trying to create filmmaking... They're trying to create ads that are almost like films. That's a lot of like... A lot of ads nowadays look like they would be short films, right? It's almost like the, the, the filmmakers behind these ads are trying to like show their creativity and their passion for yeah. films and it's showing it through the ads. But at the end of the day, it is still an ad, right? Yeah, at its core, at its very core. Um, but, so you mentioned something that was inter- interesting. You said that um, you uh, you want to get more uh, ad agency clients, right? And this is interesting because a lot of the other production companies I've talked to, they're actually transitioning a bit away from that or they're kind of hedging their bets by working with more uh, direct-to-clients, Right. So it's interesting that you're going the other way compared to them
2: well maybe they' know something I don't or maybe they've had experiences and um, have been burned or whatever I don't know because for me it's that's where the money is that's where the clients are and also the whole I mean the whole industry is is people who just knowing each other and you know this guy I know that guy oh we go out for beers all the time I walk the dog whatever it's all been it's always been like that. It was like that when I was at Saints and I, and I, if, if I could do anything differently, I would, I would, um, I don't know, try to be more, uh, more one of those people who is, I'm very sociable, but I don't, I didn't make, I didn't make that many efforts to like really keep in touch with my connections when I left Saints because I was kind of embarrassed that I had been let go, even though nobody would have cared. And I think Yeah, I think it's where, like, since COVID, it's been, I've gotten all these jobs from not all of them, but some, you know, and they've been the biggest name clients I've worked with yet in terms of the companies. Like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to name them, but you've definitely heard of all of them. Whereas before I'm doing, you know, direct to client, I'm doing companies that people haven't really heard of. So it raises the profile of work. And usually the best part about it is you go, what's the budget? And they go, this is the budget instead of going, what's the budget? Oh, I don't know. I've never done this type of thing before. What do you usually charge? Oh, okay. Well, it's better if things go, it's $50,000. It's this much. It's whatever. And you're like, great.
0: Done. Let's do it. It's a lot simpler. It's less um, It's less haggling or, or discussion on, on, on the, the small details in the beginning. And then you can just get straight to the pre-production. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Network is everything now. And I feel like Your your portfolio and your career a lot of the time is reflected by the people that you know and you uh, and you meet along the way And that is how a lot of the work you do also kind of gets shaped by your network Um, What is like something that you've kind of uh, done to differentiate yourself from a lot of other people that? uh, That you kind of really push forward with a lot of your network.
2: Oh like you mean how? How have I done networking differently than other people? No, 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 more so. More so the business. Like yeah. what,
0: what's a, what makes Mini Fridge and you different compared to a lot of other
2: people? Well, I don't know what it's like to work with other companies. And I wish I could be a client and like just try a bunch of them out and see what it's like. Um, you know, the the idea for Mini Fridge was me coming from the commercial world Googling corporate video companies, Toronto, or, you know, whatever promotional video production companies, video production companies, let's call it, and looking at the companies that were in the space and thinking these, this is not, this does not, I mean, this does not feel like 2016, this does not feel modern, this, this is still cheesy and old, and I could do so much better than all of this. It really was from a place of ego thinking I could just do so much better than this. And that was having never directed a commercial before. I just had this uh, confidence, cockiness, belief that I could, uh, whatever you want to call it, that I could do a better job. And I was really young. Did I, like, I'm trying to think of the interpersonal relationships, if I could offer, I think I'm better now at offering people that seamless sort of experience and a good time. And people like to hang out with me and talk to me, I think. So uh, they enjoy the experience of of working with me. I'm not awkward or weird when i talk to people on the phone i know how to i know how to like get through a meeting and and not embarrass myself or anybody else and maybe other people in filmmaking don't have those skills it 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 does attract a certain type of introverted um shy person and i am an introvert at heart um and i have those qualities but i also can be an extrovert and outgoing and so it's, it's a mix of, I think the videos are better, and I think the it's probably more fun.
0: Do you think your sales background kind of played a role in giving you those necessary skills to make you a little bit more outgoing uh, and a little less introverted? Like that's kind of what happened with us as well because we were also, Dario and I both worked at different banks as tellers. So I feel like oh, we yeah. had a little bit of that sales skill there as well. And uh, over the years, um, although we started out being introverts like you, Uh, we kind of expanded and we're a lot more extroverted as a result. But I
1: I feel like the reason we're extroverted, again, is because we've shot a lot of weddings. And in the wedding scene, you need to... You got to break the ice with so many people, you have no idea. (laughs) I mean, like, you go to the groom's house, you got him, his friends, his family. And then you go to the bride's house, you got her, her bridesmaids, her family. And you got to be, you know happy. You got to be excited. You got to, you got to be able to get them excited and, and break the ice super quick. So I feel like that's really what got us out of our shells. Yeah. Um,
0: did you find it was the same with you, uh, with your
2: sales background? That's a good point about the breaking the ice because that's me, but doing corporate style interviews with people where they have to talk on camera and they're really nervous and you have to be funny and make them feel relaxed in the sales background. I wasn't like that good at it or anything. And I was really young. I was like 22 when I had my last like official sales job before all this, which is like pretty much a child. And I was, you know, apart from like getting over the fear of making phone calls to people um, in front of other people, because the office was, there was a bunch of people in the office and I was calling people all day with the same like, you know, script. Can we meet? This is what we do da 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 that was scary and calling people scary, but I got over that fear and I think it just comes from like life experience the more like the older you get you get a little more confident with yourself who you are you've had many more social interactions social interactions are by nature like pretty awkward until you really work on skills to make them less awkward and, and more more natural and fun and talking to so many people because for every client I have. I've met with ten, like five or ten who didn't – it didn't end up happening for whatever reason, but I still did the whole dance with them and called them. I mean how many times a week? Less now, but when I – you know, am I talking to a complete stranger who's reached out to me saying, I want a video? You have to break the ice with every single one of those people. You have to – you can't just go straight into business. Uh, you, you have to warm them up. You have to do some small talk. And these are people across every age and gender and ethnicity and location. And you, you never don't know anything about them. And they're, you, you have a call set up with them and you got to like make him, make it fun right away and make it not be weird too. Cause some people are too salesy and too like, Oh <laughs> yeah. You know, make an awkward, just like, how the hell are you? Beautiful day. Da, da, da. It's like, that's too much. So it's like, gotta find a balance and it takes years of screwing up really and and bad experiences and mistakes to get to this point where I and I still think I got so much further to go I can be so much better at it because if I was really good at it I'd, I'd get every job that I go for
1: yeah you know you just mentioned uh it takes a lot of years to figure it out you've been in business roughly as long as we have um what are what are some mistakes that you've made oh man
2: I've said the wrong thing I've I've, I've done, you know, sometimes you get an, uh, someone asks you to do a pitch or like uh, come up with ideas and I'm so excited to start that I don't even fully read what they're asking for until I've already worked so hard on the the idea and then I go back and go, oh, that's not what they wanted. Oh, crap. You know, so that happens. Um, it's funny, it's hard to call it a mistake if it's just something that you forgot to do but it didn't actually, they didn't notice that you forgot to do it, but ultimately subconsciously they noticed like lately I've been, and one of the things I've implemented in COVID is a a whole system of a whole like Google drive link where all everything from the job is there. Uh, um, The script, the storyboard, the treatment, the casting options, the location options, and it's all labeled and organized. And I'm going to send it as a, as a, as a link in all my emails. So anytime someone gets an email from me, they can just catch themselves up on the project. That's something that I haven't done before. And did anyone notice that I wasn't doing it? No, because they didn't know to expect that because they'd never done this before. But if it had been there this all these years, would it have been a better experience for them? And would they have had an easier time and not had to search their emails to find certain things that I'd sent them weeks ago? And getting frustrated with me without even realizing it because they didn't know there was a better way? You know what I mean? It's like, it's not really a mistake. It, it's a mistake it's just like, I wish I knew to do that.
0: You, you learn yeah. You learn things along the way. When If you miss something or you make a mistake or someone makes a mistake, you learn from it as it goes. And you actually uh, mentioned how you created a solution that people didn't even know they needed, especially when it comes to client management. Because I think we've all been there, where a client has sent you something in a long email chain of 50 other people that gets lost at times, and it just became a lot easier whatever uh, assets briefs and files were needed. You can just keep it all in one place and keeping it at the end of every email for that particular client, you definitely solve the problem that they didn't even know they they had at the time. So it just goes to show how, how um, mistakes you can learn from and you shouldn't be afraid of them happening at, at times. Yeah,
1: one, one thing I like to do is when we're creating our briefs, I, I like to um, reword their, uh, their project uh, description and needs in the brief, just so as I'm going through it, I'm, I'm also not uh, going over anything that I might forget about, you know? So it's like everything, everything that's in their document is in the brief
2: and I've reworded it just so I know. <laughs> totally, and that that totally helps. Basically, writing down everything they say, or, or even better yet, recording it and then typing it up later, and then putting every single thing they said, giving it back to them in the, in their brief. They think you're reading their mind, but really you're just paying attention. And then you can get into all, I mean, I don't know if you guys know Chris Voss, the negotiator uh, guy, you know, he wrote a book about just stuff like mirroring techniques and the power of no and all these like negotiation techniques that really help. So you just come across these things as you're living and, and it gives you ideas for how you could be doing doing things better. I think it's just good to watch the watch widely read widely be open to everything and that you're gonna get ideas for how you're and listen to people talk to people and you'll get business uh, ideas on how to improve your business and I don't think mistakes are mistakes are awesome let's let's all make lots of mistakes that's become the cliche thing to say but it's true so so
1: that was one one mistake but what about um, I guess wording it as a mistake maybe was the wrong thing but what would you do differently if you could go back five years like how would you start your business differently
2: yeah, well, it'd be great to take everything I have now and just start in terms of like all the like the decks that I've built, the pitch decks that I've built, the but then again I wouldn't have all the clients to create that to begin with. Um like the website starting again, I mean,
1: like what the, like has everything you've done, would you just not change anything if you could go back or if you had the opportunity
2: would you do some things differently maybe one or two things i probably would have like gotten a co-working space a little sooner than i did i worked from home for a little too long and i'm really missing it now because i am stuck home at home and i just found out my co-working space is still not going to open up for another little while i thought i was going to be back today i probably would have got, gone into an office more sooner than i did because it is in terms of loneliness and like it just feels better to be at a place with a bunch of other entrepreneurs and professionals, even if you're not talking to them all the time and just leave your house and get out there every day Uh and having a downtown address as your company's address is really helpful because I had it as my like parents house for a while then I had it as my house, to, you know, which was still downtown, but it was like a residential address, stuff like that. But there's a million like lessons that I, you, you couldn't learn them unless you did them. So what can you? What what's the point of thinking about going back? I mean, I could start a new video production company from scratch right now, but then I'd have to build up the whole reel again, and a whole new list of clients, and might as well just stick with what I already have. Yeah, it's
1: interesting you mentioned a uh, uh, co-working space or an office because we also again we had Yang on for the last episode and he also mentioned how getting an office really set. Uh, It set him on a course where he couldn't really change things like he was now locked into a three-year lease And that was that he was he had to focus on that full-time And I feel like that's something we've been wanting to do for a while Obviously COVID has changed our plans, but if anything it's made it easier for us in the coming future because now uh, The leases are very cheap, you know,
0: I mean every situation is different, you know for some people they find that having a co-working space uh, is very productive for them. For some, it doesn't necessarily work. Uh, so every situation is different. Like, for example, we had an office early on in our uh, in the business as well. Uh, we got like this one small office downtown that we would occasionally use, but none of our editing suites were there. It was mm-hmm. just a place to kind of simply go to. It's an address for the business, and we can uh, meet our clients there. But very quickly, we, uh, we learned after about almost a year, all of our clients wanted us to meet them at their offices, right? Just so, make sense. That's just ex-
2: sense. That's exactly right. So
0: we realized, exactly, like we realized that it didn't work out for us at the time and we didn't need the space. So we got rid of it. We continued to be working from, uh, from our own homes and then, you know, obviously renting out spaces and studios whenever needed. But, you know, now it's starting to get to the point where we realize, okay, uh, we can see that in the next six months or so, it might be a good idea to get that space again. So needs change constantly and everyone's situation is different. And like you mentioned in your case, uh, having that energy, the, the lifestyle of people around you, it really helped, uh, helped you. Whereas now you're kind of adjusting back to, you know, working from home and it doesn't, it's not as easy as it was before.
2: I mean, the reason to get an office as if you have a video production company is because you want to convince people that you're a bigger company that you have, you can take on bigger projects that you're more trustworthy. If like, you know, Nissan comes calling or some big agency and wants to give you a huge contract because they're going to be looking at five different companies and they're, and it's, it's like, it's just one more factor that, that, that might push you in that direction. Um, we want to work with a company that has an office and a reception and we can go there. We probably won't, but we could, and they have a whole staff and that's great, but it's, it's, like those you know those people were probably wiped out when covid hit because it's so expensive and it's and it's so to me unnecessary because you don't I mean I'll hire people on when there's a project when we have projects I hire them on to do the project when the project's done they leave um and it's you're literally charging your clients more so that you can pay for your office you can charge them less because you have less operating expenses. And that should be way more attractive to people, but everyone's still in an old fashioned mindset that you need a big office to to truly have made it. And I think that this uh, COVID thing has made everyone realize that that's bullshit.
1: Yeah, Kirill uh, and I actually had a discussion uh, early on uh, when we heard that a lot of companies weren't doing so well. We're like, well, why would you go get a huge office downtown? Like your overhead, downtown. your overhead costs are so high, right? I mean, you could have gotten it maybe uh midtown it would cost you like half the price you're still like pretty much in the core at that point right and i mean again how many clients really come to you it's mostly you going to your, you going to the client you should do yeah. the office for you not for the client necessarily but you bring up another interesting point too which is um because of the pandemic the, again you don't really need an office and then again especially in our business you don't really need that many employees Like you need, like freelancers are more of our go-to sources, right? Like same with you, you hire a lot of freelancers. We do that too. I feel like if we were to hire um, employees, it would be maybe a full-time editor, but I would, I think we would focus more on producers that
2: can also uh, shoot and direct. Well, you'd want an account manager probably when this is, and this is something I wish I had. So like. Cause it does make you seem more legit when you can pass someone off to an account manager. Cause nobody wants to think that you're doing everything. Cause people don't think that you could possibly be good at everything. Um, I just happen to be good at, at everything. Uh, I can do, and I don't think I could have started this business if I, if I did, if I wasn't able to do everything except for videography and cinematography, which I can hire other people to do. I believe in hiring other people to do what you can't do, but the main sources of income are the producing fees, the writing fees, the directing fees, and the editing fees. And then everything else is sort of all the other line items. So the fact that I can do those four for every video, if need be, because if, when I get busier, I'll outsource some of those roles to other people. Like if you work with an agency, usually the script's already written and and a lot of the time, you can get someone else to edit the video if it's not that important. They're all important, but if the, if it's not, you can get a good editor to do the editing. So, yeah, like I I couldn't do this unless I was able to do all those roles because I just don't think there's enough money to like like we said support the whole office with the with the with with the whole staff. And maybe I'm bitter that I don't have that, but I just and I and I know that big clients won't go with people who don't have that. But it's like, how am I supposed... It's like a catch-22. How are you supposed to get the big office with the staff if the clients won't hire you for those huge budget jobs to begin with? It's, it's, And so then you're funding it yourself just to look cool and to show people that you're big. But if some sort of calamity happens, you're screwed. You're like so overexposed.
1: Yeah, I've actually heard two different viewpoints on this. I spoke to one company that said... You know, they're still waiting on the government support for the the, the rental uh, coverage. They still haven't gotten that yet. And I spoke to another company that actually said uh, thanks to the government subsidies, they've been able to stay afloat really well um, because they got their employees uh, covered and they also got their their business, um, the, the the rental covered. Right. So it seems like
0: it works for some, doesn't work for others. Who knows, right? As we mentioned before, every situation is different for everyone, and uh, you can only uh, you can see what works for other people and see what similarities or parallels there are to you to your situation. But at the end of the day, you always have to make the call yourself uh, on what you can and can't do. So one thing you mentioned was how everyone kind of does a little bit of everything, especially in the beginning, and with the barriers to entry are so low now in the industry. Uh, what is something that you think a filmmaker needs uh, in terms of a skill or element? Is is it that that you mentioned that you can do everything, or is there something else
2: to start a company, or just do an
0: individual video? To do a video, or even to start a business. Let let's let's say to start a business like a video production business. Like, what are what what do you need uh, in terms of as a skill?
2: Yeah, you need to. Well, you need a, so many different skills. It's crazy. I mean, you need to like, especially at the beginning, because you really won't have the leeway to hire other people to do things for you. So you should be able to write the script for, you know, any product that comes along or any service, you got to be able to write a script or at least have an idea for a video for them. Um, and you can't expect them to have the idea for the video. It's gotta be your idea. Then you gotta be able to find the people to, to pull it off with you, Book, you know, book the whole crew, Go go to the set, tell them all what to do, direct it, make it actually look professional and passable, edit it. I mean, it's like, it's so many different things and it's, you wanna inspire people and say, uh, anybody can do this, you just have to work hard and, and have a dream, but man, you gotta do all these things well and obviously you won't be able to do them as well when you start out, because you're gonna learn and get better, but Man, I I still think there's a barrier to entry because all this equipment won't make you good at any of these things. That's for damn sure, and and if you're not good at those things, you should be an amazing salesman who can convince people that you that those things aren't important or that you that you are going to get better at them or whatever. And I've seen people who have companies who I personally think the videos are not good, but I've met I know they're amazing salespeople who have convinced their clients that this is good stuff and they're doing a good job and the clients are happy and they're still paying them because they're that good at whatever personal relationships and, and selling Um, and being and presenting themselves as a really organized, successful person. So yeah, it's, there's so many different things. What, what can you say? Yeah.
1: Like uh, it, it, you definitely need to be able to balance uh, a, a business mindset with a creative mindset, Which and that is seems so to be, difficult. It's very difficult. Like I mean, uh, with Carol and I, it's it's usually when we get into a business mindset, our creative mindset kind of decreases in a way. It's hard to balance both of them because again, like we almost have to have like uh, our feet in two different ponds, right? Yeah. Whereas like if you're just focusing on one thing, if you're just a freelance shooter, you don't need to worry about the business side of things, aside from just getting your gigs. And once you've built that network, you're already gonna be getting a lot of gigs based on the people you know, right? But if you have a business, you not only have to wor- focus on uh, growing that business, you also have to focus on um, remaining competitive. And one of the the best ways to remain competitive is to create um, creative work, right? Again, like at the end of the day, we are creating stories. And if you can't create a story, again, like you better be a really good salesman, right? Yeah. Um, but that's something we struggle with a lot. Like, how, so how do you being a one man band? Like, how do you balance the the creative with the business?
2: That's a good question. And you know, some people say that creativity comes from limitations and knowing, okay, I only have this much money, I only have a one day shoot. We're probably gonna be able to afford a house and a couple actors. You know, what can we do with that? So I think they are pretty uh, intertwined, because um, the creativity comes out of whatever the Uh, job is so you know if it's a dog food company and they have 20 grand you're you think you have a lot of options but you kind I mean you kind of don't you you kind of have that those parameters and then great creativity can come out of that or like we have to incorporate this line into the script it's like okay Um, that can that can change what you end up doing for the better sometimes um and yeah it it is a one man band, but it's not because I'm not like I picture a guy with who's also filming who's like, well, I literally picture a one man band when you say that, but i have like when I'm on set, I have like all these people around, and they they know what they're doing and 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 i I should change what I said earlier a little bit because I think you can start a company and hire someone else to write your scripts hire someone else to direct it, hire someone else to edit it and hire someone else to produce the videos and be like I'm just the business guy, I sell these videos, they make them da da da. I just don't I just think the path to being profitable is so much uh longer than I'm saying how to make money when you actually can, you know, get paid for all those jobs. And I also don't know why you'd want to do that because I don't think this is like the most profitable if you're just a businessman who just wants to be in some sort of business and you're going to hire someone else to do all the creative filmmaking stuff, you know, go into like anything else. Yeah. <laughs>
0: this is not, this is not the industry to scale sales, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: no, you can't sell a million of these things. They're, they're like little, I say, it's like being an artisan. It's like someone who sews something and like sells on the side of the highway. And each one is like, has love and hard work and, in. In each one it's not like a mass-produced scale expand global offices thing at all um, and that's maybe that's why it's creative
1: i don't know yeah everything 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 we quote is always custom tailored to the particular client i feel like that it's like that whatever everyone else in our industry right like is again everyone's needs are always different they're not going to understand that okay Um, that, that promo video you want to do, they don't know that it's going to be a half day. Sometimes it's a half day. Sometimes it's a full day. Sometimes Sometimes you need an audio operator. Sometimes you don't need it. That's actually why, uh, when we tried to bring on a salesperson one time, it it just didn't work because he came from the wedding industry and his mindset was packages, right? Because in the wedding industry, they got bronze, silver, gold packages, right? And you just can't apply that same mindset to like corporate
2: videos, right?
1: It's completely different. Everything is custom tailored to the client.
2: That's a great point. You have to, it's true. So many times I've been on the phone with people and it's it's come down to how much is it going to cost? What can we lose? What can we gain? And I can't trust a salesman an outside salesperson to be able to do that it has to be me really on the phone being like well this is what it's going to be and if you have this much money this is the kind of ideas we can do so the creativity in the business all bleeds together for me because at this point I can just tell you exactly like how much anything is going to cost and and if we can do it for your budget or not based on what your vision is and I have a trust problems in general I mean when I heard about you guys splitting up your Company that you both do the directing and both do the producing and oh i couldn't i couldn't do that because I, I i it's also an ego thing but I have to be like everything here i did and I don't trust other people to do when you're directing you have to trust other people because they're on your crew but you're also you you get to stand over their shoulder and tell them yes or no you don't you know is this good no fix it it is is this good yes it is you don't let them go off and do it and then see what they come up with
1: yeah I think with I think it's it, it works with Kirill and I because again we've known each other for so long I think we know yeah. each other for eight years and we've been working together for six years yeah so at this point we pretty much we know exactly how the other person thinks we know
0: how we think we have yeah. a, we have a lot of parallels in in terms of like our mindsets uh, in, in we've been doing this now for so long obviously as you mentioned like in the beginning uh there was issues where like you know we were both so into the work that the other person was doing because we wanted to make sure that it was all good but i guess over the years as it's kind of gone on as we've both gotten experienced we've seen each other grow and we have developed the trust even further to the point where uh i i know dario can handle the work with this client i know he can handle that call because he knows what uh what to deliver to the client just as much as i do and that actually also allowed us to kind of take some of the pressure off at times because um, especially if you get an influx of work, which happens uh, like every now and then, you can't do everything. As you mentioned, like you outsource a lot of the roles and responsibilities um, that, that you need on set to people who are better, right? Or at least can handle that and you know you can trust them with it. And at times, as you mentioned, even the writing and the producing, sometimes if Uh, You're overworked you hire out other people whereas in our situation when we get to when we get a lot of work We divvy it up because then it just makes our work life a little bit easier So I I think it happens when you grow with the other person you can develop that trust in your case If you were to now just like that get another business partner, there's no way you're gonna be as you mentioned There's no way you're gonna be able to just blindly trust them with everything
2: No, I would have. I'd have to train them. And even then, I don't know. It'd have to be a certain type of person. And it would be a person in business. It wouldn't be another creative person. Because then it would just defeat the whole purpose. I don't want to be the guy who's like making the deals and then passing the work off to this other person who's going to actually make it happen. I, It would have to be someone who's like in business or like is very experienced in the agency world, knows how to quote videos, someone like that.
1: Yeah, and, and I think another thing too is that we're of a different mindset now like yes we're still creative but our goals for the company are are a lot bigger i i feel like uh the because of COVID, the the restructuring we've done we're more focused on growing the business now versus being creatives in a way because i feel like before COVID, we're like let's try to build a really cool portfolio, get a lot of cool projects, this and that. We never really focused on growing a business, whereas yeah. now our mindsets are more like, okay, we, 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 we need to grow this business. Um, let's try to test out these good shooters that we know. Um, we've, we've worked with them uh, on, on projects uh, alongside them, but now we got uh, a project we wanna do. Let's bring them on, let's see if they're really good, if they're, if they're just as good as they are on set. Uh, when we're shooting with them, we'll keep them. We'll keep feeding them work, so Kirill and I can just focus on growing the business.
2: So yeah. even so, they we, go out and do the videos, and then well, in a way, what you we stay want, in the office. Well, what we
1: want to do is again, instead of us going out and you know being the DPs and directors and whatnot, like we're st- we're just gonna focus on the producing, on the producing, and the
0: strategy. That's yeah. what we want to focus on. Going at least forward. the core. At least that would be the core focus. Like, there's obviously going to be situations where we go out with the crew, at like you do, uh, to the shoots to make sure that everything is running smoothly, that things are are, are happening. Um, but uh, at the same time, we want to at least at this point in time to focus on setting up the business so that it can start growing from now. Because if we if we just try to do what we were doing before, we would just be in the same boat as as. Because a year ago.
1: Yeah, because then we're working for the company rather than like having the company work for us. So we're trying to set that in motion now because long term, we do want to get it to the point where we grow and then somehow uh, develop a marketing arm and then kind of have it so that we're kind of a marketing agency and kind of a video production company as well. Maybe add a photography arm in there as well. And then once that becomes fairly large, I'm thinking in the next five to ten years try to get investing to uh, open up internationally. That's, that's our long-term goal right now.
2: Well, that's great. It sounds like you guys are, are thinking more like, like business people and, um, and your producers at heart. If that's what the, that's the, you've tried everything and now like you've tried the different jobs and that's the job that you're, uh, you're leaning towards. And that's really cool. And I've thought about doing that too and having a sort of mini fridge label of like, I'm not the director, I just hired someone I really trust to come do it and, and be the videographer too. And hey, wouldn't it be nice to lay back, like lie back and just keep an eye on things and let uh, let, the, let the money flow in without you having to get so involved every single time and, and spend your time looking for new business. Um, and I think in general what the industry is going towards, I think it does make sense to have an office if you have a studio attached to the office. With a white wall, you know, whatever that's called, a white wall with, you know, you can do backdrops on it and film products, basically, because that's what everyone wants now. They just want a product on a, on a colorful background, you know, with a hand drinking the soda or whatever it is. Um, So if you can do that and just pump that out of your own studio, that makes sense to have an office. And that's something you can probably just set up and hang back and, and supervised without getting so involved because no I've done so many shoots where I felt like I was the PA and the director and I really was I mean I was the director Everyone, you know defer to the director. What does the director want? But then when they all you know I'm still at the end like picking up chairs and moving the gear into the car with everybody else and Does do I, I don't want it to be like that forever. So
1: I totally understand. You, you know, we have, a, we have a really funny story actually uh, Carol and I were on a shoot. This is the, the time we had to clean the dishes
0: Oh my God, oh <laughs> we yeah, had this was in
1: February. Okay, yeah, this happened not that long ago. So we were at this shoot um, and we rented out this- uh, This uh, person's apartment. Yeah, it was like not Airbnb, that other company we all use, uh, but anyways. It's like Set Scouter. Set Scouter, of, that's yeah. what it was, yeah, yeah. So we rented out this place and we went, we shot there, we finished, um, the entire crew left. It was just Kirill and I were just packing up the product to get yeah. out of there and the owner comes back, right? And I
0: remember she just well. You weren't there for this because you you actually were out in the car and I was inside. And uh, she comes in through the front door because she got uh, got back a little earlier. Uh, and uh, as she walked in, uh, you know, they had a kitchen, right? And obviously we used the kitchen for lunch, you know, and uh, and we we threw out most of the food. But and, we 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 used their plates and uh, there and the was forks, like a couple right? plates. It yeah. was it wasn't that many. It was like maybe four plates and four forks. And as I'm packing up my last bag and I'm just about to leave, she she looks into the sink and she's like So, are you guys going to clean the dishes? Now mind you, this thing had a cleaning fee included. It was already in the included. Invoice. It was already included the cleaning fee. And she said, "Yeah, because if uh, and I'm like, w- "What do you mean? Like we have a cleaning fee in the uh, we, that we're paying and there and she said yeah, but, you know, yada, yada, this, um, I'd have to charge extra for for so-and-so. Like, the cleaning fee only covers for four, vacuuming. For and four I'm like... plates, okay? For four oh, plates. Oh. And
1: she hands us, she hands him this, like, sponge that was so dead it was dirty <laughs> it was dirty i'm like you use this on your stuff so I, I remember so we were cleaning i came back i'm like what are you doing and he's like yeah we gotta clean <laughs> he it he walks
0: in and i'm just cleaning the
2: dishes <laughs> see i wouldn't even think that was weird if i was there i'd be like yep you gotta clean the dishes but, what are you gonna do but it's like you gotta like, take, the, take the garbage out with you
1: but so yeah like i was like oh my god so i went and i helped them out and I, you know what i barely use soap just because i yeah. should not have to be cleaning dishes
0: Cause I'm paying you a lot of yeah, money cause we, for this. because the cleaning fee was included, and in yeah, that, and if it's if we use like three or four dishes for for lunch, like that should be included. You know, like if there was no cleaning fee, I'd understand that. Yeah. But we paid. What was the cleaning fee? Like 150 dollars? Yeah. For that. And- so, Kirill and I are cleaning it, and we're quiet. Like we're quiet the whole
1: time. <laughs> After the shoot finishes and we say bye to the crew and everything, I just call them up and I was like, "That is the last time." I'm touching a dish. Like, I'm never, do- I'm never doing that again in my life. Has that ever happened uh, to you? Something like that? You're not that? too
2: good for dishes. That's the thing. It was just like... That's the. the I felt
1: like that was the lowest point in our career where we were cleaning those
2: dumb dishes up. Because well, it, it just hit us I've sprint. done worse, man.
0: Oh, really? What, what is what
2: is worse? Well, I've done... I'm just... I mean, every location I've been to, we've. you know, you clean it up when you're done. I mean, it's like... It comes down to this... Yeah, like, you feel like... You, you, I get in this mindset when I'm actually on set of, of filming where I'm so grateful to be there and doing it that I actually sort of forget that I shouldn't be doing those certain things um, and, and shouldn't be cleaning up. And it's going to be amazing when I don't have, when you know, as a director, you just show up and the trucks are already set up and they're ready for you. And when you're finished, you leave like, I don't want to watch people pack up gear ever again, or have to wait another hour and a half for everyone packs up gear. But um, that's what it is. I, I but I, I completely agree with you guys. You work until you don't have to be the, you know, the last guy on set.
1: Yeah, I don't, mind. I don't mind being the last guy on set, but yeah, I do fantasize we about we not not bringing the rock and roller cart, loading that thing up, <laughs> uh, packing it, and then unpacking and then packing it up again. I do fantasize about never touching that thing again. That's like a
0: long-term goal for me. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, in that situation, it was kind of like one of those things where we didn't expect it. You know, like, we cleaned up as much as we could, even, like, uh, the place as, as, we, as we left it. You know, like, we pretty much came... And we left the place as it was it just felt demeaning that's what it was it's it just the way she demeaning. communicated to us right you know it was very it was not it was not very like kind of um how do you...
1: well she was this creepy lady and like the way she said i don't know i just got like psychopathic vibes from her and then she I, i'm not supposed to be clean i'm paying you 150 bucks i'm not cleaning the dishes okay yeah like
2: it... i'm gonna keep that in mind when i go to my uh i'm shooting at a, a set scouter house and a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, if it's if it, if the interaction was a little bit more pleasant in terms of the way she uh, mentioned it to us, then I then we would have been like, okay, that's not a problem, or vice versa, right? There would be like at least an understanding. But it was just like very hostile the way she communicated to us. But anyway, as you mentioned, I hope you're listening, lady. I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> send her the link to this. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. We'll we'll find that old uh, that link. But anyways, we've talked a lot about business. Uh, business development, growth. Now let's kind of move on to the creativity. How do you tell it? How do you tell an effective story?
2: Um, I think an effective story is whatever makes you want to buy the product or try out the service. Not even when you finish watching it, but already in the first like 10, 15 seconds of it. And uh, the great phrase, the great saying of, uh, of advertising, I think is, you know, you don't fix the, you don't need to fix the ad so much as you need to fix the product. Like sometimes people tell me product ideas or companies come to me saying they need a video and I just know within hearing what the product is that the video is going to write itself. People are going to want to watch this video. Uh, People are going to want to buy this product because it is because it solves a problem that either people know they had or they didn't know they had and and I th- and I think uh, the whole industry is moving more towards a straightforward style of advertising rather than a emotional cinematic uh, style that we were talking about before. Those that style works more for an established brand that you already know about, and they just want to keep reminding you that they exist. But when you have a new product, which is a lot of the types of videos that I do, um, you you try to figure out what what problem it solves, and try to come up with a way to. Um show how it solves that problem without the cheesy, you know, infomercial style black and white photo of a woman washing dishes and like, oh, she broke the brush, and oh what am I gonna do? You know, not go in that direction, but come up with something that's gonna grab people's attention and go, Oh, I have that problem. Because listen, we all have tons of problems. Every single person I know. You have emotional problems, physical problems, societal problems, convenience problems problems, uh, you know, and, and every year, 15 things come out that make your life easier and you, you buy them and you don't know what you did without them. And, but not every product has that. So that's why I think, you know, fix the product, not the story. It shouldn't be so hard to figure out what, how to sell your thing. If you, if you, if, if you're in business and you've gotten to this point that you're asking somebody to make a video for you. Um, so start with that. That's what I would have to say. Do you, do you feel because like
1: Andrew's work is re- really good? Like the types of ads he makes are, are very uh, comedic but effective, uh, and that's why they're, they're memorable. Good. They're it, memorable. They're memorable, but okay. they're, they got a fun, they got a comedic twist to it, which is why nice. they're good because you always remember them. Um, do you would you say um, creating more of that type of content, or would you say that um, maybe even that's changing? Like you do, do you find your style? Um, needing to evolve or, or kind of what you got going on is good?
2: Well, obviously it needs to evolve if, you know, it's going to fly off the shelf and, and my phone won't stop ringing. Obviously it, I can always get better. Uh, I think though funny is always better and funny is going to, is going to keep, uh, it's going to keep being popular I think emotional ads are, are way trickier gambit and most likely end off coming off as a bit cringe and also people are very cynical. So if you see some emotional story and then at the end the MasterCard logo pops up, you're kind of like, well, screw you. So might as well admit it's that ad. I think the problem is that uh, I think the weirder, the better in terms of humor, the weirder you can go is because I think a lot of people try to make funny ads, but they try to make them safe. And I've tried to write funny scripts for people and then they, that are like weird outside the box would definitely be memorable, but then they don't exactly feel comfortable doing that or being that weird. So then you whittle it down into something that's a lot safer and it's not as funny as when it started out. How do you, how do you
1: manage that process? Because again, you're starting out with something that you think is, is really good and it'll be really effective for the client, but then they keep telling changing you changing it. It to change it and to change it and like how, how do you get to the point where you're like okay like it, it, it's no longer worth doing this because you've changed it too much at this point right
2: well it's always worth doing it i think uh if, if they want to do it with you i will do it if they're happy and everybody in advertising knows this if you you know the client's happy that's all that matters so if they want to do that You know, I'm not going to be all precious about my weird joke that I wanted to go in, but I try to keep, I try to keep it funny, even if they, so they'll 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 say I don't like like I like the general direction, but I don't like these jokes. You need to change this dialogue, but you get to replace it with, you get another chance. You think of another funny line that might work um, instead, and it's not like they, you know, once they start coming in we have some ideas for some jokes we'd like you to tell. We, you know, we have some ideas for the dialogue. We're going to write the final script. Then you just have to let go and say, all right, I mean, it's, if it doesn't come out well, they're not going to blame you. And that's another thing you want to make sure doesn't happen. But if they're giving you the responsibility to come up with it and they trust you, um, that's when the, that's when the, funniest things happen but then again the clients can also be funny and, and have funny ideas too it, it's it's all on a case-by-case basis some clients think they're really funny and they're not other clients but i want to use these this interview on my linkedin so i can't really go much further than that guys
0: <laughs> yeah it's um with with every client it's different there are situations where you know like certain clients uh, are are wanting you to do uh, all the creative work. There are other ones that have a lot of creative input that they want to put in there. And at the end of the day, as long as you are able to make them happy and give them what they want, uh, you're always going to be memorable and put in a good light with them. And a lot of the time that people, a lot of creatives don't even realize is that sometimes the input from the client can actually even make the product a little bit better than you expected because they might see something that you don't. Because as creatives, we're always so attached to our work. We're so proud of the work that we've done and. You know, we're, we're happy how it's come out because it's come out just from us. That when other people are starting to tell you to change things, you, you try to block it out. But um, I remember we did a project two years ago where uh, the initial cut, you know, we were really happy with it. But then the client said, uh, I, I really like it. I like the d- direction, like you mentioned. But can we remove these few things and kind of restructure a few of the, the pieces? Because it was a much longer uh, project piece. It was like about 10 to 15 minutes long uh and then oh okay it, yeah it Is was like a it, documentary yeah this was uh, the this was a short documentary we did a few years ago and the first cut was about 17 minutes and we knew it wasn't going to be that long uh, by the end of it but the client told us some of the things that we can remove and replace or even just kind of restructure and that actually brought the time down to 12 minutes and now as a result we're really happy with the final product because it it helped make the the story a little bit more um it helped kind of pop a little bit more just from their perspective. And sometimes, you know, you need that collaborative effort with clients and they value that as well.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's just another person's opinion and another person's uh, ideas. And, you know, and it's good to ask other people besides the client who, you know, maybe don't necessarily have the same power that they do to make the final decision, what they think of your, your work. I love the story of uh, Kanye West working on his album, and, and at the studio, and asking everybody who came through the room what they thought, and they give them suge- they give him suggestions, and he'd go, "That's really not something I would ever say or do, but I love your suggestion anyway." Um, and you hear that about studio, you know, it's, you can compare commercial filmmaking to like move, uh, Hollywood filmmaking in the fact that the studio is like the client, and they're. Hiring you to make this thing But ultimately it's up to them And and they give you notes And you have to listen to the notes And people complain about the notes But a lot of the time I've So from what I've heard Those notes are great And they actually improve the movie Because sometimes you're in a room With some really smart people who, Who love movies And know what they're doing And other times People just want to make changes So that they can get the credit For making a change Or that they contributed something to the project You never know but it could definitely be a good thing. And I've gotten tons of great notes that I've that have improved my work and made me look better.
1: Uh, we're kind of reaching the end now. I do want to get your thoughts on the future of the video production industry.
2: It's uh it's not going anywhere. It's a great it's a great industry. It's uh it's obviously going to be it's going to keep going in the direction we've seen where there's a lower barrier to entry and more people can get involved with it and start their own companies because really as I was saying earlier, you can, you can start a company with nothing. You can get the client to pay for the videographer. I do think you have to have the skills of like being able to write direct produce and edit and then hire everyone else. But if you, if you can do that, you can start one of these things. Um, and it's the, the, the more work is probably going to go away from the big ad agencies or the big ad agencies are going to have to figure out ways to lower their uh, lower their costs because the clients budgets I think have have shrunk and they also want um, more straightforward predictable content that literally tells people what it is rather than really fancy flowery um, cinematic stuff that doesn't necessarily work but looks good on a reel. I think that's going to that's going to happen. And hopefully, you know, well, everyone looks at video all the time now. So hopefully they'll just, there'll be more and more demand for it uh, from an advertising perspective and people are going to want to spend more and more money on it as opposed to other things they could be spending money on like radio or print or digital banners or whatever it is. They the The more people want videos, the better it is for us.
0: You kind of uh, already touched upon this a little bit earlier in our discussion, but just to kind of uh, summarize, like, what are some of the next steps for Mini Fridge? Like, we know your long term goals—you want to go back into uh, into the filmmaking industry. But what are some potential next steps for Mini Fridge as a business uh, specifically?
2: Work with huge name clients, make tons of money. Um, you know. Uh, blow you guys out of the water basically oh, okay. destroy all my competition no everything except for the last part i think i you know i want to make i want to i think i have what it takes to make tv commercials i really think that uh the only reason my portfolio is not better is because i've been just limited by budget i haven't had the uh, opportunity to yet to work with a huge brand and and have a significant amount of money to play with because I know that if you know if you have an idea and you can you know rent out a studio build a set hire great actors from Actra have a great production crew have money to do a few days of shooting instead of cramming it all into one day editing post, you know color grading you just need money to do all these things and make it look great and just got to be able to get someone to trust you with a bigger budget um and it, it's a catch twenty-two because they'll only trust you with a big budget if you've, if you've already done a big budget. And I've done a TV commercial and I've done videos that cost, you know, close to a hundred thousand. But you know, you want to get to the where you can do a video that costs a hundred five hundred thousand or a million. And so my goal is to convince people that I'm ready for that, that I can do that. And once I convince one person and do it, I'm sure the rest, you know, the ball will just keep rolling. And in order to do that, I have to keep uh, making relationships with people and meeting people because nothing will ever happen if you're just sitting around at home waiting for it to happen. And that's basically what I've learned with um, this whole journey of having my own business is it's a cliche, but you got to make it happen and you got to talk to people and, and convince them that that you can do it. And then when you get the opportunity, you can't screw it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: this industry is a, is is such a massive hustle, and uh, you always have to be on your feet. And the second you kind of stop, that's when when things don't really happen. And that's what we discovered very quickly from COVID is that, you know, we stopped and everything else stopped as a result. But the second Dario and I started working on small, even passion projects on the side, or networking and making connections with people, the fact that we were uh, making things happen... We were able to kind of attract that kind of energy and that kind of network that required more work, and now as a result, you know, at least uh, in beginning in in August and now uh, bleeding into September, like the work is starting to come back, even though we're still technically all in a pandemic. Yeah, and this is like
1: work from previous clients; it's not exactly new, new work. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, even something as simple as like this whole show started with uh, Kyo, myself, and another friend of ours. We're trying to do like a funny. Uh, comedy <clears throat> podcast and then as we did a couple of weeks so that we're like why don't we just do this
0: for the business yeah do it for the business and then the... this
1: this kind of grew from that and then once we started doing this it was like well we need a network with more people right because like when you are bringing guests on the show right so started reaching out to more people and that that really got us in the groove of things because from there yeah. we're like okay I'm, I'm used to now calling random people up talking to them I want to do this with businesses now and that's what we're going to be doing at the end of this month and next. So it's, it's been good. It's been good so far.
0: And it's led us to people like yourself, you know, and uh, you bring a lot of, you share a lot of, uh, experiences and stories and and you bring a lot of value to people, especially the people that will be listening to this show. And, you know, maybe someone can learn something from your journey and your experiences. Yeah. And even just being connected
1: to people like yourself, like I, I love how determined you are to just like get what you want like the it's like from our end here I'm like damn like this guy really wants yeah wants what he wants right right like he's just like i'm gonna go do this i'm gonna get that half a million dollar uh commercial i'm like damn like i like that like it, it kind of motivates us in a way you know
2: <laughs> dream big fellas dream big you gotta you definitely gotta and uh I'm i agree and i think uh your podcast is a great idea and it's the type of thing that i would have thought to maybe have done or uh, you know thinking of more ways you can market your own company and create content for it is excellent and also talking to uh literally you know the competition literally I mean you guys are you guys have a competing video production company to me and maybe some of the other people who watch this will be people from competing video production companies and they'll learn something from how I do things um I mean and I'll learn from them and and uh we should all you know be friends and uh and, and know each other we shouldn't all be in our own little dark worlds just thinking about what what is everyone else thinking it's like let's have an open discussion and it's a positive healthy thing so good for you guys i, lo- I love the podcast
1: yeah a lot of people i've reached out to they're like oh it's it's cool to finally like talk to someone else in the field cuz
0: it's always yeah. like like you said we're all in our own bubbles, right? We're afraid to talk to other people, you know, and and the the thing that we're also even potentially hoping that we can even get out of this is, you know, this can actually push all of us to do better work, to make better connections, you know, and even in a way sometimes help each other. We found that a lot of companies that we've collaborated co- collaborated with in the past, you know, there have been times where they've been in a tight spot and they needed someone to come help them uh, produce a commercial or, or a promotional video or something like that, you know, and then we're able to come in and help them with that. And then vice versa. There have been situations where we weren't we able help. to do a project yeah. and we needed help. And then because we made those connections, they've been able to come in and help do that. So we really hope that we can kind of create some kind of collaborative network with this that, you know, other people can also benefit from.
1: Yeah, because I don't think I don't think we're really competing against each other because directly that even indirectly, because you're going after clients that we're not going after, right? And again, the market is so huge. There are so many businesses out there that need video. It's, it's an insane amount of businesses that need it. And especially now because of the pandemic, everyone realized the importance of it. So a lot more businesses want to do video, right? And if you, if you look at all the other production companies that are around, they they've all got different clients. I haven't seen yeah. one that has the same client. I mean, you do see them, but that's how you know they've worked with an agency. Some similar ones, yeah. Yeah, that's when you know they've worked with an agency. It's like okay, you have that big client because well, or maybe you're working that with that specific department. But we're all essentially th- there's enough there's enough food to go there's around. There's work to go around. around, and we're all going after different clients at the end of the day, right?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a good way to look at it. I think that you know when I get a call from a client that says, I'm talking to you and four other agencies and, you know, may the best pitch win. You're, you're kind of like, okay, well, is there enough work to go around? Because what if I get all these or what if this other guy gets all these, what am am I going to do? So I I don't totally agree with you on that. I think there is a lot of competition and obviously any company you see that has a bunch of videos, you know, you could look at that and be like, I could have done those. Why wasn't I doing, why, why didn't I do those? So, but it's a nice it's a it's a good mindset to have and I hope it becomes more and more true. I think uh people will get out of their shells a little bit hopefully when we come on the other side of this thing. And um there'll be more work uh to go around because it's definitely contracted a little bit. So you got to work even harder to to get those uh get those jobs and get those pitches, you know.
0: Mhm. Yeah. So before we kind of uh, sign off here is there anything you'd like to plug uh, any anything that's happening uh, in the near future that you want to
2: promote well I'm I'm sort of revamping my Instagram uh, mini fridge media at mini fridge media and uh, t- taking it a little more seriously as a uh, promotional tool and and keeping people updated and I, I might do some I'll probably post this on there and 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 do some webinars or something I'm, I'm trying to just be more active on there. So people follow me on Mini Fridge Media, that's great. And I'm gonna have a bunch of shoots coming up where we'll be wearing masks and face shields. And I'll be posting about all that and what it's like to be shooting in a pandemic. So uh, that'll be exciting.
0: Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on the Creatives Grab Coffee podcast. You know, as, as we mentioned before, your, your unique experiences and journey have really kind of added value uh, to the discussion today. And uh, we look forward to uh, discussing more with you in the future. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Yeah, likewise. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Creatives Grab Coffee podcast. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Let us know if there are any topics you would like for us to cover in future episodes.
1: You can reach out to us at creativesgrabcoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>